HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by TechServe, New York's original and still the best Apple computer, iPod, and iPhone store and repair shop. For more information, visit TechServe.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul, The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. You know, it's uh, we're, I feel like we're finally getting over this uh, this really harsh, cold winter here in New York City. So I'm already, you know, I've got my head in uh, certain places. I'm thinking about uh, springtime and you know, great cold drinks with a lot of crushed ice. And there's no one better to talk with uh, on the Speakeasy today, another than uh, Chris Morris, Master Distiller of Woodford Reserve. I believe we're going to talk about some mint juleps, Dan. I think we are, Dan. All right, cool. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great. You know. We never quit talking, thinking about Derby. That's, well, that's, that's true. a constant that's true. mindset for us. The day after, I'm already thinking about next year. Yep, that's right. right. So uh, how long have you been with uh, Woodford Reserve now? I've been with Woodford Reserve nearly 18 years. Wow. And uh, it's uh, wish I was there at the beginning, but I was actually at another distillery that no longer exists. And I got a call one day to, uh, hey, there's a job that's just perfect for you. And, of course, I knew Woodford Reserve. I was at the distillery's grand opening in... Um, That's back in 96? Yes. Yeah. And it's like, if you're interested, call so-and-so within the next couple of days. I hung the phone up and immediately picked it back up <laughs> and called. So uh, I wasn't there at the beginning, but I've been there nearly as long as the brand's been out. You know, as I, I feel like I know a pretty good deal about distillation. I know the process, everything, but I've never actually done too much of it. But I feel like that's even me. Like if someone told me about that job opportunity, I would have faked it real hard. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, you definitely called them back right there immediately, and uh, I it, you know you'd be a fool not to. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so you you call them up, you get working with them, and this brand. I mean, I remember. I remember when Woodford Reserve came out. I, I know it was an older distillery. It was the old Pepper Distillery, right? Yep. And uh, I, I read about the old Pepper Distillery, very like the Oscar Pepper and, and whatnot. Uh, but like there was very little 
like history that was available back then. But I do remember seeing the bottle and tasting it and being like, "Wow, this is some really amazing bourbon." And uh, yeah, it it uh, we believe it was the transition to the bridge between the past and what is going on today, which is the the, the overall resurgence of whiskey in general and bourbon specifically, of course. And we look at sales trends and brand introductions, and basically, it all really sparked with Woodford Reserve. Woodford Reserve was the catalyst because it looked revolutionary. This beautiful bottle just broke, no pun intended, the mold on what bourbons look like. The flavor is so balanced and complex, and and it just just changed everything. And plus, I mean, I feel like there is a... There may be a couple other brands that kind of like were coming around the same time, but I feel like the the idea and the image of Woodford Reserve with the the giant copper pot stills, you know, there was a big craft kind of design yes. behind we it. Were, very, we very were craft old. before craft was was <laughs> a term or a, you know a, a a definition which is is not well defined, and and uh, we actually. Uh, we're calling ourselves craft bourbon before this craft movement began because we're very confident in what is craftsmanship, and it is experienced individuals, professionals, which our team is, using the highest quality ingredients, making a great product. Mm-hmm. It's not about how big you are, how old you are, or anything. It's about quality, and we believe we have the best bourbon there is. Absolutely. that's a, it, And it's been one of my favorites for... Like I said, since I really started drinking bourbon, I remember, uh, and I won't name the the brand, but uh, it's actually one of the bigger brands. Uh, I remember when I was too young to drink, uh, having some bourbon, and I was like, man, I don't think I'm ready for this. And then, <laughs> then Woodford came around and, oh, uh, this time. So I was we, like, did, we did our job. Yeah, yeah. It was one of my first uh, actual forays into my adult drinking of whiskey. So that was that was a really, I, you know, it, it stuck with me ever since then. Actually, what's you know another thing? It's funny. I was down there in Kentucky um, with my brother um, about I'd say three, maybe four years ago. We were uh, just running around all over Kentucky, going to distilleries, and and I went to uh, uh, Woodford Reserve with him and Maker's Mark and Four Roses. Mm-hmm. Just been like hit hit all of them, yeah. you know, Buffalo Trace and. And uh, I remember going on a tour of Woodford and seeing those giant pot stills and just being kind of taken away, you know, by by not only the craft of making the whiskey, but the craft that it takes to build the stills, you know. Yes. And I touched it. I touched one of the stills because, uh, you know, I just wanted to, I kind of wanted to feel the power, you know, and uh, kind of burnt my hand. So that left a mark well, on me. Well, that's usually the case. <laughs> touching a hot still. But, I, I can't tell you how many people when... When we have visitors come through and you'll hear people, or I'm maybe hosting a VIP, and they come from the mash floor, the fermenters, which are awesome in themselves, mm-hmm. all oh, cypress, yeah. and then they walk into the still, and it's, oh, oh my, and it's the cathedral of the still in comments like that. It just really yeah. takes your breath away, because you're not expecting that. And many people say, it's like I'm in Scotland. It's like I'm in Ireland. Yeah. It's the old world. And, of course, that individual, that great historic gentleman you mentioned earlier, Oscar Pepper, when he built the distillery we use today in 1838, he was using copper pot stills. Mm-hmm. That was all that was available then. So part of our 
part of our transition into the new world, ironically, is we turn the clock back to make whiskey the way Oscar Pepper did in the 1830s. No more continuous distillation, no more stainless steel fermenters. We put in old equipment. It's all new, of course, but we put in old-fashioned equipment to make modern contemporary bourbon. I mean, I, I'm I'm a classic car collector, and and I have an, an old motorcycle, and you know the thing is like I, it's it's I love old whiskey and I love old cars and you know uh, old wine and all that stuff, and like I think it's a it's a very modern way to think to like like such old things and and to have them done in an old way. Yes, know? yes. Uh, and speaking of that, you guys have. I remember I was working at a little spirit shop called Linnell's down in Red Hook and uh, here in Brooklyn, and I remember. It was one of the first, um, uh, was it the Masters Collection? Masters Collection, yeah. yes. I remember having uh, my first four grain. This was like seven, six, seven years ago. It was like, I think it was, there were two different ones, I believe. Right? There were the four yeah. grains? Yes. The four grain was our first, and this shows you how far the industry has evolved. When we brought out four grain in uh, 19, oh, I'm sorry, 2004. And it was priced at $69. Mm-hmm. We thought, will anybody ever pay $69 for a bottle of <laughs> bourbon? So we were sort of, we were frightened. So how much are we going to do? So we decided to launch it first, only in Kentucky, but mm-hmm. people are going to pick it up and take it out, out of the state. And we had 250 cases. And it went from our distributor to retail that Monday morning in November. And we heard, unbelievably, because there was such a buzz about this new whiskey coming from the Woodford Reserve Distillery, the first of the Masters Collection, that by Monday evening, every bottle was sold. Wow. And it's like, wow, we might actually have something here. So then we had to recalibrate, get things going, and release the four grain again. Right. But for the rest of the country. On an allocation, of course. So that's what people get confused. There's there's actually two releases of the first. And since then, it's a one release. One time, one off release. Each Masters collection is unique. Every year it's different. And the Masters it refers to is Oscar Pepper and his distiller, James Christopher Crow. Those were the Masters who really made bourbon what it is today. They were the gentlemen who figured out the sour mash process. They recommended using new charred barrels. They wrote all this down. They're recognized by historians as the duo, the dynamic duo that made our product what it is today. And so we're honoring their innovation by changing up things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Also, I think, I think to me, like if I were a distiller, I'd be extremely excited about playing around in the, in the still, you know, like, Actually, you know, with you said, you know, you have the master's collection. You have all of these different expressions, you know, but you have your one wood re- Woodford Reserve that mm-hmm. you release all the time. But it's fun to play around in the, in the lab, you know. Oh, it is, and we <laughs> it's are like shop. You know, shop shop time. We are really pushing the bounds of of our industry to come up with new flavor profiles, innovation, of course, revolution, or whatever term you want to use, and. Um, we have so many successes in our file cabinets. It's like we can't get them out. We, we've got so much knowledge from grain recipes and wood styles and maturation profiles. I don't think we'll ever get them all out the door before I'm gone. It's yeah. just incredible. 
And well, speaking of wood sounds, you guys, do you have your own cooperage? Yes, our parent company is Brown Foreman, America's oldest spirits company, family controlled since 1870 by the Brown family, who are great stewards of our industry in general, and of course, brands like uh, Woodford Reserve. And back in 1945, we bought a furniture factory in Louisville, Kentucky, and turned it into a cooperage. And back then, we were just a little nobody. And all the big distilleries, Seagram's and Shinley and National Distillers, they all had cooperages. Mm -hmm. Now all those big historic companies are gone. And little old Brown Foreman is now a leader in the industry. And we make our own barrels. Nobody else in Scotland or Ireland, you name it, no whiskey company makes its own barrels but us. And that gives us a great advantage since all bourbon has to mature in a new charred oak barrel. Would you want to buy barrels that your competition is buying? No, you want to make them yourself. And that allows us the luxury, and it is a luxury, of having barrels crafted specifically for each brand. So the barrel I use at Woodford Reserve is different than we use at our Brown Foreman Distillery, say, when we're crafting the the historic Old Forester bourbon brand. Mm -hmm. Each each brand has its own barrel. And it's just awesome. I mean, if I could make my own glassware for my cocktails, I would do it. Yep. <laughs> um, the uh, the cool thing to me about that, too, I have another story about my visit to Woodford Reserve. We kind of, uh, it was me and my brother and my friend Jamie, we all uh, were there together, and uh, we kind of snuck away from the tour. I, I, I hope I'm not getting in trouble here. <laughs> but uh, we kind of held back a little bit, and uh, the fellow there that was, I actually got, I was in the group uh, with a bunch of people on the tour, I got to uh, take the hammer and put the bung into All the barrel. right. And uh, I kind of held back for a second. And he was painting the labels on the uh, on the barrels, on the barrel heads, right? And uh, so I hung back a little bit. And my friend put the stencil on my arm and painted a pot still <laughs> on my arm. I've never heard of anyone doing that. <laughs> I, did, I think I've got photos of it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think we kind of got a little bit caught, but we just pretending like, oh, yeah, who's... We were looking for the restroom or something, <laughs> but it was it was it was a nice move. And Great. like, I, so I actually got branded twice. I got branded once by putting my hand. On oh, the you still, did. That's right. And then I got the paint on my arm. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to uh, admit that to you. I, I feel like I'm like confessing something, like something I did bad to my dad right now. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. <laughs> well, um, I think uh, we're going to take a break here for a second, and then when we get back, let's uh, let's sip on some whiskey and maybe even make a cocktail. We'll do it. All right. We'll be back in just a moment with Chris Morris, Master Distiller of Woodfree Reserve. The special program was brought to you by TechServe, New York's premier authorized Apple reseller and service provider, serving creative professionals at all levels, from individual customers to Fortune 100 companies. TechServe has built a solid reputation in their expertise in technology, sales, and service. 
Visit them on the web at techserve.com or in New York City at 119 West 23rd Street. Learn more about their in-store classes and incredible insider program. Make stuff happen. TechServe. listening to Speakeasy. In the studio today, I've got the great Chris Morris, Master Distiller of Woodford Reserve. Now, before the show, we were talking a little bit about the history of the brand and the, the distillery, and uh, we're talking a little bit about, you know, going back in time, and mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing that says tradition to me more in the United States with cocktails than the mint julep cocktail. That's right, Doc. And the Kentucky Derby. Before there was a cocktail, there was a mint julep. The mint julep, as most uh, cocktail historians, mixed drink historians will will tell us, has its origins in the Middle East, probably brought to Europe by the Crusaders as a as a scented water, a scented alcohol. We really don't know what julep rose water meant to, to those those Arabs, but it becomes a medicinal drink, herbs, spices, spirit, of course. As it transitions to the New World with our European settlers, it evolves in the environment. And, of course, here we're starting to make rums and brandies and whiskey and sure. corn whiskey. And mint is introduced. It's, it's wonderful. And it just evolves. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, like Darwin. It's, it's the survival of the fittest. And the best combination ends up being bourbon, mint, and sugar. It's so simple. But it is so delicious. It is. You it know? really is. It's like the the daiquiri of the uh, you know the whiskey world in a way. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I think it, especially with uh, when you think about a mint julep, think about a hot. I always like just picture being you know at the derby, hot day. You know, all the ladies wearing funny hats, guys wearing seersucker, and I want something real cold and refreshing. You know what? Put it in a metal cup. Hopefully, that cup's made of silver or gold. Something fancy, you know, for the occasion, to mark the occasion. And just a ton of crushed ice and mint. It's cool and refreshing, but really rich at the same time with, you know, the the flavors of the bourbon. It is, and it's a slow drink. It's a drink that basically, if you time it, it should take you from race to race because there's about an hour between races. So it's a a slow-sipping drink. It should be refreshing, and um, it's, it's tradition. It is just so cool. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing, like, just to nerd out on the cocktail side of it, too, it's, you know, we think about a ton of ice in a drink, about it diluting, but there's, if you crush the ice just right, 
it keeps it cold, mm-hmm. and it keeps it not so diluted. I mean, like it, it'll dilute slowly. Right. When you have crushed ice and you pack it into the cup, and then you pour Woods Reserve on it, it further compresses, and then you put more loose on top. But basically, you're you're creating a julep cup shaped ice cube that just fits perfectly in the glass. So all these great bars now that are serving large ice cubes or or spherical ice cubes because they melt slowly and dilute the drink less, that's what we're doing traditionally with the julep. Mm -hmm. You've got got your – I mean, like, well, I I, I want to talk about, like, how you like to make your traditional mint julep, and then we'll move on to the thousand. You've got your sugar. Do you like to use granulated sugar? Do you like to use uh, simple syrup? Do you make a syrup or – I am of the camp of make a julep fresh. Now, nothing wrong with simple syrups, uh, but the fun of it is, especially if you're entertaining, everybody likes their drinks differently. Some like a julep sweeter than others. Some like it mintier than others. And you want to make, customize that drink for each individual. So you want to use powdered sugar because it melts immediately. Mm-hmm. You want a half a tablespoon, uh, t- excuse me, a teaspoon, a full tea, whatever. So... How sweet do you like your julep? Okay. Then you're going to moisten. The old recipes call for adding spring water. To heck with the spring water. We have wood for reserve. Go ahead and melt <laughs> the, the powdered sugar with wood reserve because it has spring water in it anyway. And muddle your mint. And, again, how much mint do you want? One leaf, two leaf, three leaves. Don't want to go too far. And you don't want to use the mint stems because that will bring a bitterness. Right. And, again, crush the mint at the bottom of the cup with the, the wood reserve sugar paste Mm -hmm. and then add the ice and fill the cup almost all the way up with ice put in your sipping straw put in your mint garnish because next you tap compress the ice down kind of boom 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 and then you add your woodford and then loose ice to fill on top and you got it made it's that easy you know i i it it, that like i said before the beauty is its simplicity and it's it is a very beautiful drink and you know, I there. What's cool about it too is, you know, nowadays we've, of course, there there are a bunch of different recipes for mint juleps from oh, back the, in the yep. day. Uh, you know, there's the Georgia julep where you put like some peach in it. You know, there's the prescription julep which Dave Wondrich uh, uncovered recently. The Jocuse julep which had lime in it, yep. and it's crazy how many different variations so many there were. Of them. But that's cool, and like there are also modern variations mm-hmm. of it. It's great, actually. My friend Andrew Knowlton, who is a uh, he's the restaurant reviewer for. Uh, Bon Appetit magazine. His daughter's name, his first daughter's name, he named her Julep. Oh, nice! And so I made one called the Julep Knowlton. And, uh, <laughs> but it's you know it's got you know some raspberry and some like creamy cacao in it. She, she won't be able to drink it for another twenty years. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, it's it's just a fun drink to play with. And you know you have actually you guys have done that for uh, the Kentucky Derby with the thousand dollar mint the julep. Thousand dollar mint julep program. We've been doing this for a number of years now, Damon. And it's fun because, number one, we're raising money for charity. And this year, our charity, the proceeds from all the cup sales go to our friends, old friends. I always say our, they're old friends. It's a thoroughbred retirement farm that has Eclipse winners and Breeders' Cup winners and and Derby favorites who would have been led to the slaughterhouse once their, their useful lives were ended. But now they can live in dignity on these beautiful farms in Woodford County right down the road from the distillery. And we love to help take care of these beautiful horses. So every year we have a different theme, which leads to how the cup looks, how many cups there are, and what the ingredients are in the cup. And this year, it's been staring us in the face for the last few years, is 
the rose theme. Of course, run for the roses, yeah, run for yeah. the roses. So this year we have a rose theme, and that means we have to get creative again. And my colleague here, Andrea, and I are going, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do this? Well, number one, let's make ice out of rose water. Sure. You know, not too much rose. So we have ice out of rose water. Our friend at Bourbon Barrel Foods, Matt Jamie, has created some candy-dried rose petals for us, which we're going to muddle instead of mint. Which I just had during the break. I, I could snack on those for a while. We've created <laughs> a new Woodford Reserve Mint Simple Syrup. Cool. That's going to be our mint edition. And, of course, we have Woodford Reserve. So every flavor, because Woodford has natural hints of, of rose. It's a very floral bourbon. So everything rose is in the glass. Now, that glass, isn't that beautiful? These pewter cups with gold horse burgies, those are called. I, I you know, I, uh, I, you got me thinking about, uh, you know, come down to the Derby this year, and uh, you know, if I maybe I'll start a Kickstarter account so uh, I can, <laughs> I can, somebody invest in me so I can invest in this. <laughs> so this year, for your thousand dollars, we're going to put in a little of that mint syrup with some of these candied dried rose petals. We're not going to have to muddle too much. You'll be surprised how wonderfully fragrant that rose opens up there. Oh, my goodness. So subtle, mint, nice rose. As I mentioned, I'm going to have to dip out a microphone here for a minute. I'm going to load up the cup with our rose water ice. So it, it's just a little bit of rose water in the water, and then you freeze that, and then you crush the ice. Yes. Cool. Now, crushed ice, shaved ice, snow cone ice, whatever term someone wants to use. You don't use ice cubes in a mint julep. Right. You want that pack, that t- what we've talked about, that concentration. So there we have, look at that cup is already frosting up. We are going to get our gold sipping straw out of our oh, nice. box there. We're not going to use a mint garnish today. This is not mint time of year, so it's a little difficult to get fresh right, mint. Right. Now, the last ingredient is Woodford Reserve. Probably the most important one, right? And we just... <laughs> Fill her up. Fill her up. See how the ice is dropped mm-hmm. into the cup. Now we're going to finish. Now loose. And I love a julep maker when they spill ice all over the place. I know they've done a good job. Yeah. And there it is. And what most people don't know is you drink a julep from the bottom up. You sure. use a straw. In fact, the modern straw was invented for the mint julep. Sure. It was invented for the julep. So that paste of mint, sugar, and rose is on the bottom. The Woodford Reserve is floating on top. And as you pull on the straw, you're going to pull the Woodford through the ice. It's going to mingle with all the other wonderful ingredients, and up the straw it goes. And if you are an experienced julep drinker, you have 25 sips there that will take you over an hour. So wait a minute. So I have to, okay, I've got to recalibrate then. Because I always love mint juleps, and I don't think they take 25 sips for me, <laughs> for me personally. So I'm going to have to practice that. It takes restraint. restraint. It does. <laughs> um, you know, it, I always love julep cups. I, I, I collect antique barware and glassware, or in this case, metalware, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. But uh, some of my favorite things are finding some of the old uh, linens that are yes. used. They'll sometimes wrap the... Uh, the julep cup and the linen. Oh, yeah, that's, that's going to be quite cold yeah. oh, to yeah. the hand. But I'm like, it's like, it's the, the old school equivalent of like a beer koozie, which, you know, I always, I always use. But <laughs> but it's so cool to find all the accoutrement. And I think, you know, it is a very, 
is a very fancy drink and it should be adorned, you know, like with the garnished well, lots of ice, the julep straw, the cup, you know, it's all about presentation. It is. It's 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 an event in itself. It sure is. It, it is an experience that uh uh, you need to have a good bartender if you're out, and, and I know people are well-intentioned, but so many people come to Kentucky and say, Chris, I've had a mint julep. I didn't like it. And I'm like, okay, um, well, you know, what didn't you like? It was too minty. It was too, you know, like, well, you didn't have a proper one. You didn't have sure. somebody making one that knew what they were doing. It's one of those drinks that's so simple that can be, it's so simple that it can be difficult to make, right? Yes. Like a martini. You know, so many people screw up the martini. They'll mm-hmm. shake it, and you should be stirring it. They'll use too much or too little vermouth. Yeah, when you have a drink that only has a couple of ingredients in it, you got yeah, do you it right. have to be spot on, yeah. as opposed to some of these drinks that have twenty five ingredients. You know, something's yeah. going to come out okay, I'm sure. But yeah, the more simple it is, the more precise and expert you have to be. Well, and I think that that's a testament to the entirety of Woodford Reserve as a brand. You do this one, mainly the one outside of the man, uh, the, uh, the Masters Collection, and you just nail it every time. Thank you. That is our focus. Uh, we are a single brand distillery. We don't make any other brands but Woodford Reserve or the Masters Collection and our Woodford Reserve Double Oak to all say Woodford Reserve on the label. We don't buy whiskey from anyone. We don't sell whiskey to anyone. We are a focused craft distillery making what we believe is the best possible product. Chris, I wish we could hang out here all day and drink mint juleps. And maybe we can. I don't know. I, <laughs> I might have to clear my schedule for the rest of the day. <laughs> but I want to say thank you for coming thank on the you, show. Damon. And anytime you're around town, please let me know. And uh, if not coming on the show, at least we'll get a mint julep together. And we hope to see you in Woodford County one of these days I soon. will be there. What, when's the Derby this year? What day is it on? It's always the first Saturday in May, May 3rd. May 3rd this year. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. I'll be there. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Tune in next week. We'll be, you know, maybe we'll be talking about bourbon still. (laughs) All right. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.